the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. we got another great show, as always. So many great guests. And remember, go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. You'll see all these great interviews there as standalone segments, as a podcast. You do a search. You'll find them all. It will be great, I promise you. I have such good guests uh, and such great ideas from so many of you. Hey, in a few moments, we'll talk. We'll get an update from Chris Chris Shimolinsky of Numbers USA. He's the vice president over there. Numbers USA is one of the two, I say there's two, premier entities tracking what's happening at our border. They know what's going on. They explain it well. The other one is uh, Center for Immigration Studies, where Todd Benzman is. Uh, but Chris Shimolinsky is great. Numbers USA, Roy Beck's shop, numbersusa.com, excuse me, .org. Um, we'll talk with him in a few moments. But I have to be honest with you. I pre-recorded the interview after we talked to Chris. It's an interview with Chris Fenton. Chris Fenton is the man who wrote the book Feeding the Dragon Inside the Trillion Dollar Dilemma Facing Hollywood, the NBA, and America biz- American Business. He wrote that two years ago, and he put it out. He's a business guy. He, 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 has, he was a businessman in China. He was a guy who rolled out movies. He produced movies. I think that's the term. He was one of the top executives at one of these studios that helped produce major movies. And he rolled them out in China. And and he tells the stories in the book. In China, they wanted him to come. They wanted to have these big name stars. It was a big, big deal. They had all kinds of the uh, um, Marvel, the Disney and the Marvel. The NBA was there as he's talking about all that. And then he realized that. They were learning how to do it, the Chinese. And once they figured it out, they were never going to allow the NBA or the studios or any of Disney to make the money there. They're going to do it themselves because they knew the market they had, a billion, 1.2, 1.3 billion people. And so they, they milked the American system, the American corporations, the American market system for what it wanted, which was access to audience, access to money. And it worked. You can't blame them. You can't blame the studios or the NBA for acting rational and saying, well, I could get to a billion three and 1.2, billion people. I'll do it. And then they decided to do their own thing and pull back. And, and it's a little bit like what's happened. And again, you can't, I, I don't think we should blame the Chinese for their business model or their model of functioning. We should describe it and we should reject it. But don't blame them. They think it works great. They, it, whether it's tech transfer, they forced companies to sign deals where they would share the technology and they would steal it. They just stole it a lot of times. Uh, I mean, this was their plan. So anyway, it's a great book. It's an important book. Anyway, I called them up. I said, I want to talk to you because we have this problem. Here's what you need to know. We have watched our leadership in this country stumble into what looks like a major international incident. And he will talk more about this. But what you need to know right now is Nancy Pelosi is so arrogant and so stupid, mostly arrogant, that she announces she's going to Taiwan. 
she forgot she forgets to say to her uh, own team Biden and everybody else I'm going to Taiwan when they're asked they tie the tie uh, the the American government Biden the the Pentagon says oh hold off on that not a good time to do that because why because the Chinese don't want it so the Chinese regime is protesting Pelosi's visit and now we've got every Republican from here to Newt Gingrich and back saying Pelosi has to be allowed to go. We shouldn't kowtow to the Chinese, blah, blah, blah. I don't disagree, except here's the history. Okay, let me walk you through the history. I went back and studied this because I care about it. It really started mostly, I think, my analysis in the 80s when Tip O'Neill decided that he was going to have his own sort of foreign policy as Speaker of the House. And he was contrast to Reagan And Tip O'Neill cared a lot about Ireland, cared a lot about the Irish problem, all that, right? Because he was Irish American. He also cared about Latin America and he got himself involved. And Tip O'Neill became sort of, in my mind, the international activist. Why? Speaker of the House has no constitutional authority for international affairs, except, of course, that the, the House of Representatives controls the budget. And therefore has a big say over who gets what money, right? You want to get someone's attention, grab them by the wallet. After that, it was Katie Bar the Doors. You had uh, Gingrich, who had his own uh, interests in terms of uh, international expressions. You had uh, uh, down through Hastert, Boehner, uh, Ryan, and, of course, Pelosi. So Pelosi, she's in charge of the House. Schumer's in charge of the Senate. Biden's in the White House. The Democrats, their team has control. They should be able to put out a coherent foreign policy vis-a-vis China and Taiwan. And instead, with this coming and going and up and down, I'm going to go, I'm not going to go, you shouldn't go, maybe you shouldn't go, military says don't go, et cetera, et cetera. We're now in a position where either Nancy Pelosi goes to Taiwan and proves that she can do what she wants and, and the Chinese are offended and the Chinese are mad, or she doesn't go and we should be offended that we kowtow to the Chinese. We're in a the perfect Hobson's choice, they call it. You lose either way. Lose-lose situation. There's no win-win in this one. It's lose-lose. And it's self-inflicted. And let me be clear. Nothing positive happens because that Pelosi goes there except what? Except that the people of Taiwan get a signal that they'll sell more weapons. They'll sell more of the military-industrial complex's gear. And that is what Taiwan wants. And that is what the lobbyists of Pelosi want. But that is not what's in the interest of the American people, of we the people. We do not need at this point to be engaged in a back and forth in a game of, 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 of Pelosi chicken with the Chinese. On this subject, are you kidding me? There's a, about 10 other aspects of our relationship with China that needs to be addressed. And let me be clear. We don't, I'm not saying we should walk away from Taiwan. We just don't need to do this sort of uh, exercise in inanity. We could address the fentanyl problem. We could address the Huawei problem. We could adge- address the problem. We are addressing actually some of the, uh, uh, some of the computer chip problems. I think there is some policy changes. But we have watched this president this Pentagon, and, and Chris and I recorded this interview, we'll play in a few moments, so you'll hear me echoing some of this. But what you need to know is the level, uh, it's not just incompetence, it's arrogance. The level of arrogance amongst the Democrats is, is a, a threat 
to peace in the world. It's a threat to America. It's actually against our interests. This ha- this happened to some extent with the Ukrainian thing, where we were fed all of the Ukrainian propaganda and all the anti-Putin propaganda. And we were supposed to all salute. And a lot of people did, but a lot of people said, well, let's be careful. Well, we don't want to get in a war and all. And I think we dodged the war, although there's more and more indication that we're giving the Ukraine weapons and drones and things that are being used. If I'm the Chinese, excuse me, if I'm the Russians, I'm getting pretty sick of it. I'm saying, I thought you guys said you weren't going to fight. It sure looks like you're going to fight. You're fighting. But what you need to know as to China, we just, we have to be smarter. We have to understand what's going on. We have to not give the Chinese opportunities to embarrass us, to divide us, to confuse us, to put ourselves into camps, into, you know, this camp, that camp, this group, that group, I'm for this, I'm for that. And it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And the, the only problem worse than what we're doing is that every day it seems like Joe Biden doesn't have real control. I'd like to know who is running this government. It doesn't look like it's Biden at this point. I think the burden of proof has shifted. Is it Ron Klain? Is it Susan Rice? Is it Anthony Blinken? I mean, my own opinion is it's Susan Rice because Anthony Blinken was her assistant and uh, Lisa Monaco is her best friend. And over at the CIA, either the number one or number two, I can't remember which, was a, a Susan Rice aide. I mean, I, it feels to me all things lead back to Susan Rice. But we have a right to ask now because this is a mess. This is a mess of a foreign policy. It's a mess of a world uh, interactions, world politique. It's a disaster. It's a, it's, it, and, and God help us. It's, I hope to pray it's not a real disaster. It's just a mess and ugly and embarrassing. We can recover from that, but it can't come fast enough. I, I want another. I want a different speaker of the house just to reset from this embarrassment of Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden and everybody else. All right, that's all we got. I got to take a break. We'll come back. We will get a, an update uh, from Chris Shemalinski of Numbers USA, and also then we'll hear from Chris Fenton, our friend. Uh, so stay tuned. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. We will be back in a moment. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, time to catch up. We're just talking offline. Uh, NumbersUSA.org. Uh, NumbersUSA, the organization, very valuable. A lot happening. Uh, one of their uh, key folks uh, joins us again, Chris Shimolinsky, who's the vice president there uh, and plays a, a role across the board in terms of policy, in terms of understanding how the politics works. So welcome back, Chris. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. Well, so Chris, let me ask you what I was just telling you off the air. John Schlafly and I were talking about how the the border and the problems with immigration, they've actually, maybe you could back me up on this, but at least they're as bad as they've ever been. And maybe it's easy to say they're worse than ever in terms of the border itself and the lack of enforcement and the confusion and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And yet conservatives and grassroots activists, it doesn't feel like they are understanding it now is that because the media is trying so hard to ignore it is that because people are tired of the issue how do you feel about that am am i wrong on it no 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 i don't think you're wrong on that and and i think it's it's 
you know, it's pretty clear that the mainstream media will do everything that they possibly can uh, to to try to defend the, the the Biden administration. You know, on a separate issue, um, you know, talk talk last week seemed to be about a recession and us heading into a recession, <laughs> especially with a bunch of key economic data indicators coming out this week, plus the Federal Reserve meeting. And now all of a sudden they're not talking about it. They're talking about what kind of a great week Biden's going to have because they're going to pass the CHIPS Act and they're going to pass all these bills, uh, these bipartisan bills through the Senate. Um, so, so it's crazy how they, they pivot to make sure to, 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 uh, you know, portray the Biden administration in, in the best light. So border crisis hasn't gotten a whole lot of coverage, but at the same time, you know, I think, I can't remember if we talked about it the last time that I was on, but there was, there was a recent congressional generic poll that had Republicans and Democrats basically in a dead heat among support from Hispanics, right. which, which, and that there's, there's only, there's only a few reasons for that. Obviously, number one, inflation is hitting the Hispanic community the same way that it's hitting every other, every other community across the country. Um, but then the second thing is, is, is especially in Texas, and you've seen it with some of these special elections and primaries that have come up, uh, they're supporting the Republican candidates and, and it's because their state has become over overwhelmed with this with this illegal immigration border crisis that's been going on so uh obviously while there's not a whole lot of coverage and, and maybe not full understanding of what's going down on on the southern border uh it, it is having an impact in the polls i think there's just um some just as large if not bigger issues facing the american people right now with gas prices inflation etc yeah, etc et yeah. well and we're talking with chris shimolinski over at uh, numbers usa numbers usa.org uh, is their website uh, well, and but like the mayor of New York, Mayor Adams, he right. comes out and he says he says, you know, the truth out loud. He's not supposed to do that. And he basically <laughs> says, you know, we are being Im- he, he says we're we're being inundated by the immigrant. He calls it the migrant. I think immigrant influx, not illegal. And he yep. says the schools and the shelters and all because and he then, then he says because the border states aren't generous enough. You know, they're supposed to take all these uh, all the people there. Well, isn't that the conversation we ought to be having? Again, if we were adults, if we were actually adults and we were governing, you'd say, well, what is the reason? Are there reasons to let 2.8 million people or more than that by now in since Biden came in through the border or the apprehended, actually, I guess it was. But whatever these numbers are, is there a reason, right? And if you want to make the argument, oh, it's because of this and this and this. But right now, we're not hearing any reasons. And then we're hearing the complaints that we can't manage the people. We can't keep the schools funded. We can't keep law enforcement. I mean, it's not just um, the dramatic shooting on a pier in San Francisco in 2015 or whenever that was, the Kate Steinle. It's not just the Ohio uh, uh, rape and pregnancy of a 10-year-old by an illegal. Those are eye-catching. In some ways, they're not actually that helpful because the bigger problem is what Eric, what mayor Adams says. Right. Right. And, and what's astonishing to me is where was Eric Adams six months ago when (laughs) Greg Abbott down in Texas was complaining about his schools being overrun and his communities being overrun. And, and now Eric Adams is, is demanding that the federal government send New York city money to help cover the costs to house these illegal border crossers. And blames Texas for sending them there. But again, 
why why isn't he saying, well, first, I'd like Texas to stop sending them here. And second, the federal government needs to send Texas money because, you know, it's it's not in his not in his backyard if they're if they're in Texas. So, uh, you know, he doesn't he doesn't care what happens to them if they're down in Texas. But the second they get to New York City, all of a sudden he wants federal assistance yeah, to help well, with these and, folks. And, I mean, but then again, you know, again, uh, uh, Chris Shimonsky our guest, the vice president over at Numbers USA. I mean, hypocrisy and dishonesty, it's not a distinguishing right. characteristic in a politician of any party. I mean, especially on this issue. Um, so, you know, you kind of shake your head. On the other hand, what what I what I wish would happen, and we talk about, I talk about a lot on the show. I have uh, Todd Benzman on from the Center for Immigration Studies down on the border all right. the time to talk about what's going, you know, what the reality of this is um, on the border. But I, I wish more of the grassroots would uh, seize on it. I mean, I, you know, I hate to, I and I hate to be this um, you know, this, I don't know, negative, but when Trump came down the escalator and talked about, you know, Mexico not sending our best, he captured what a lot of people felt. They felt like, hey, the system is broken. No one's saying out loud what the truth is. I, I worry that the Republicans have learned the wrong lesson, as usual, the media trying to tell them, oh, no, no, don't talk about that stuff. We know it's bad and don't talk about it because I, I would expect to hear more, not less. Now, uh, let me ask you, I, I got in my inbox just uh, hours ago um, uh, and you were offered as someone to comment. Explain to me what this is, the 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 effort by one of the uh, unions to try to abolish the National Ice Council, the National Immigration uh, um, Customs Enforcement. Uh, what, what, what are these things and what does it mean? Right. Yeah. It's This is the ICE Union. This is the National ICE Union. So okay. the union that represents uh, immigration and customs officers okay. uh, across the country. And um, well, first, what they're trying to do is is they're in an effort to try to organize their own union that would be independent from uh, the AFGE, which I think it's the, the, the American Federation of Government Employees yep, is what that right. stands for, is. which is all, also under the umbrella, the larger umbrella of the AFL-CIO. Um, so they wanted to become independent because they felt that they were being mistreated by the AFGE and not fairly represented by the AFGE and that the AFGE wasn't representing their interests. So at first, they they made the move saying that they wanted to go independent. And now the AFGE and AFL-CIO seems to have flipped it around and saying, no, we want to kick these people out. We don't want them to be – we don't want to cover them anymore. So it's it's a it's a whole mess. Um, Got to give a ton of credit to uh, Representative Michael Cloud, who's who's in Texas, uh, who uh-huh. has been standing up for the ICE union publicly on this and 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 fighting for representation for the ICE agents that are that are part of this national ICE union, uh, and also Chris Crane, who's the president of the ICE union too, who's who's trying to lead lead the ICE agents through this through this mess. Um, but but we'll have to see. It, it seems like the best outcome would be for the ICE union to just independently organize if if they can if they can get if they can get full everybody's agreement on that all of the ice agents in, in full agreement with that um, because certainly the AFGE and the AFL CIO don't want to represent them they want to defund them and how do you defund your own union workers I mean, imagine right. if the imagine if the steel workers union went out and said you know what we really think this country needs to cut steel worker jobs <laughs> I mean, people right. would be going nuts. Right, right. Um, well, again, uh, Chris uh, Shimlinski is our um, guest. He's vice president over at Numbers USA, uh, numbersusa.org. Uh, again, 
in in this era, you know, when people are when unions are trying to take over other unions or dissolve one, it's obvious that they don't have control of it. You know, I mean, one of the one of the great problems of the last, say, 20 years has been um, the working the unions that want to work. Are, are stuck with unions that want to just control and 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 want to uh, sort of be uh, government uh, government employee unions, which are basically as long as you stay in good with the powers that be. I I, I was reading an essay that was to defending Tim Ryan, uh, the guy running for U.S. Senate from Ohio, because he's in the House, and how he has uh, done all this work to make sure that staffers on the Hill have a meditation center because their life is so busy and hectic. And I thought, you know, Chris, you know, this, there are times where when you're a 23 year old staffer, you're working a lot of hours and gotten paid much, but the stress in your life is not uh, on the level of most people in the private sector. Right. I mean, it just isn't I mean, And so, but, but they make it sound like, Oh, wow. What are you doing? So that on the union, I get that um, back for a second to what, what would you say the future is, based on who you see leading in the Republican party, let's say the house, if they get, uh, if they get control of the house and, and specifically, you don't have to say necessarily who you can, if you want, but what can they do to stop this? I, I is this really going to be a white house controlled problem? Therefore, okay, run around and complain about the budget. That's what the house could do, right? They could say, we're not going to give you a budget until um, you do this, except we know how that goes. We, uh, you're going to shut down the government over immigration and they all back off. I mean, uh, what's your, what's your sense? What's the optimism you would give about the future? Yeah, I, I'm starting to feel a whole lot better about it, but still, uh-huh. uh, you know, my level of confidence is that that just means that it's barely over 50%. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, you know, I, I remember back in uh, when, when Trump was in office, I believe it was, I believe it was, I'm pretty sure it was 2018, um, represent the former representative Bob Goodlatte, who chaired the House Judiciary Committee at the time from Virginia, uh, wrote an incredible piece of immigration legislation that, that we sponsored. And it even, it even included an amnesty for DACA recipients. Uh, it was one of the first and only, uh, I believe it's the only amnesty bill that Numbers USA has, or bill mm-hmm. with an amnesty in it that Numbers USA has supported. Uh, and, and, and what did House Speaker Paul Ryan do? He took that bill, allowed for a floor vote on that, but then stripped all of the important provisions of it, basically left the amnesty in it and some, you know, simple, non-enforceable, enforcement provisions in there and brought that to the floor for a vote. And then neither one of them passed. So mm-hmm. essentially by creating two alternatives, the moderates voted for one and, and, and the good guys voted the, 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 the Republicans who are stronger on this issue voted for, voted for the good lap bill. So that's why I'm a bit cynical. Should the Republicans take over power in the house, but I'm starting, I'm starting to, to, to feel a little bit more confident that Kevin McCarthy, who I do believe will probably end up being house speaker should Republicans wrangle control from the Democrats this fall, uh, is starting to understand the issue and, and is, you know, one, one of the things of this, of, of this, uh, one of the ramifications, one of the, one of the effects of the Trump era is that Republicans are no longer afraid to be tough on immigration enforcement. Uh, remember the autopsy that came out in 2012 after Mitt Romney had lost to, had lost to Barack Obama, the Republican, the national Republican right, RNC right. came out with an autopsy right. report yeah, that says, I was there. Oh, I was there, we have yeah. to, yeah, we have to be champions of amnesty and back off of our calls for better enforcement, um, for stronger enforcement. Well, Trump showed Republicans that, Hey, actually you can win on an anti-amnesty 
the pro-enforcement message. Uh, so you're seeing a lot more Republicans jump onto that. And, and we were talking off air. There was this, there was this coalition letter that was signed by, by, by 17 different groups, I believe, including ours. Yeah. Um, and, and a number of former Trump officials and not just Trump officials, but also Obama era officials that said, Hey, here are all the loopholes that need to be changed. So instead of moving forward with some sort of messaging bill that right. simply, you know, maybe throws money at the border patrol agents, uh, and, and calls for some increased reporting, um, here are things that you can actually do to close loopholes. So future administrations that mirror the Biden administration cannot take advantage yeah. of these truck sized openings that we have mm-hmm. in our immigration law to just allow uh, you know, as you mentioned, two million, two million people across the border illegally over the last 12 months. Well, and, and uh, Chris Shemlinski is our guest, the vice president, Numbers USA, numbersusa.org. Um, as, as, you know, the other part of what a new, a new Congress could do is shine a light on this problem and maybe right, the grassroots right. and, and, a, and the 2024 election will include, okay, what's the, what's the actual plan here? What's the, what's the future? If you're, if you're not going to, um, do anything today because you can't control it or you're not going to shut down the government over it, which is my fear. Uh, uh, what what's the plan and make the issue uh that's the thing trump did in 2016 was people used to say they'd be good on it and then they back off and he never backed off now whether he, he did enough in office is a different problem for another day but uh anyway all right chris i gotta run chris shimolinski i'll put up on social media the letter he mentioned as well as uh links to his website thank you for your time appreciate it always oh thanks for thanks for having me on happy right. to be on good good we'll take a break everybody we'll be right back it's ed martin here on the pro america report don't forget visit pro america report.com uh, you can get a link to this uh, interview as well as links to uh the uh, uh web page we talked about and uh, the letter be right back Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I was really uh, grateful earlier today. I, I pinged him, uh, Chris Fenton, the author and businessman, successful producer. Uh, his book, Feeding the Dragon Inside the Trillion, excuse me, the Trillion Dollar Dilemma Facing Hollywood, the NBA and American Business. It came out about two years ago, but you can read it today and it's it lays out what happened over the last 25 years and predicts actually a lot of what uh, other industries are discovering and what's happening, whether you take, go from the, go from the uh, high tech of these uh, chips, computer chips uh, to entertainment. Uh, Chris Fenton covered it all. He on Twitter is going uh, to get it right, Chris. It's uh, at the dragon feeder. So uh, welcome back, uh, Chris Fenton. How are you? Wow. It's my pleasure. And uh, I, I appreciate always being on the show. You cover this stuff fantastically. Well, and thank you. But so I want to, before I go to some other stuff there earlier in the day, you tweeted in response, Biden reportedly hasn't made a decision on China tariffs. Your retweet, there's no decision to make. You simply keep them. It seems obvious, Chris, most people agree the tariffs on China did not crash the economy for us. It didn't damage it. And, and yet are we really debating lifting them? I mean, are you hearing from people here? You're, you're, you got your finger on the uh, pulse of the sort of China debate. Are, are they re- is he really going to possibly roll them back? Well, look, I mean, if you look at what's happening inside of the, the Beltway in Washington, D.C., there's a massive struggle by various parties trying to all get on the same page when it comes to the challenge that China is uh, putting on and posing on the United States of America and our Western allies. Um, you have journalists, critics, Congress, for the most part, uh, regulators in, in somewhat 
uh, a majority fashion, and even the White House in certain respects, all on the same page. The one problem is, as we know, that money is what makes the world spin around. So (laughs) if you look at who continues to be the only true ally of China, that's the business lobby. And the business lobby has massive leverage and massive financial wherewithal to be able to push their agenda inside the Beltway. And that's essentially what's creating this push-pull of not seemingly having a clear directive on how we're going to address China moving forward. And if you look at the tariffs, those tariffs, yes, there's a lot of economists that will debate who that penalizes more. Does it penalize the consumers? Is it just a pass-along charge? Does it penalize the Chinese? But the reality of the situation is the Chinese have been pushing hard to get rid of those tariffs. So if you just simply look at who's trying to push to get rid of those, if it is China, then it is hurting China. And to stop hurting China because of pressure that China is putting on us right now is not the type of symbolism we want to take on because we need to look like we are pushing back against 40 years of very strong encroachment and aggressive actions by China against us and our allies. I were talking again with Chris Fenton. Again, he, he's a, a businessman who came to this knowledge about China uh, firsthand from his own career uh, in, in doing movies and films. Uh, uh, and and uh, I love the, I love the story about the red carpet over there, but his book is feeding the dragon. Um, Chris, different question, but along the same lines at this point, it's not a secret. If you read your book, you can see it. Um, but if you just read other stuff, you can see it's not a secret that the Chinese have uh, a, a focus on getting I- intricately involved in America. TikTok is one example, but Huawei is obviously another. And yet in Politico, I don't know, two or three days ago, they wrote a piece that said why the U.S. can't break up with Chinese telecom behemoth Huawei. And it discovers, you know, Huawei's using uh, their switches and, and, and inside our system to spy on us. How can we not fix this? I mean, what's the, what's the dynamic? I know the answer because you've taught me it's the money, the influence of massive money. But at a certain point, even the politicians who are, you know, beholden to big money and both parties will do it. You'd think they'd say, oh, man, we got caught. We're shamed into this. Let's change. Let's decouple with China. It feels like we're not decoupling. We're just picking around the edges. Well, I mean, one of the things that's really interesting is that over the last two years, my book has actually been selling better than when it first came out. Hmm. And it's because people are starting to come to realize, wow, all this engagement we had over the last 40 years, where many people like myself, who are cogs in the wheel, really believed we were doing what was in the best interest of the country and in the West. We were trying to sell products and services, grow GDP, um, create jobs here in the United States and elsewhere with our allies. We're trying to spread the soft power of democracy inside a communist country in the process. We all believed in that. But over the course of time, and in particular, it's really been accelerated, I would say, since Trump was in office and then obviously through COVID and various other sort of very aggressive overreach by the Chinese over the last two years, people have realized, um, like myself, how terrible and detrimental all this engagement has been because it's been so reckless. 
Like it was really about chasing the buck. It was really about chasing an ideal that really was never going to come to fruition, which was winning over the communist country into one of democracy. And now we're realizing, hey, look, we don't want war with China. We don't want even a cold war with China. We don't want to fall into a Thucydides trap where we're drawn into a war through a mistake. But we do need to completely disruptively and constructively rebalance the relationship, because if we continue on this course the way it is, it's going to become China's world and we will just be part of it. And we cannot do that. We need to protect our values, our national security interests, the principles that have made this country as great as it has for 200 plus years. We need to go back to really putting patriotism before capitalism, and it's not easy. We have gotten super entangled, and the Huawei example is just one of many. Uh, Chris Fenton, again, is our guest on Twitter at The Dragon Feeder. Um, You can follow his Twitter feed. It's a good one to follow. His book is, again, Feeding the Dragon. all right. I need to cover the Pelosi thing. Um, you know, Nancy Pelosi says she may go to Taiwan and then the Chinese uh, regime says that would be on, on good, not good and, and stop. And then Biden says, uh, yeah, the military says for her not to go. Uh, and here we are back and forth. And now we've got lots of people saying you have to go. Um, can I be honest, Chris? Wouldn't it have been smarter of her not to announce that she was going? Maybe not go. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Is it is it necessary now? But now we're in a position where it feels like the whole darn world is saber rattling that we won't be stopped. I mean, I, does Nancy Pelosi going to Taiwan help anybody? I, I, I feel like we're dragged into something that was dumb from the beginning. Wow, that's one of the smartest commentaries I've heard on the situation out of all of this, because I do feel like there's a big war drum that's being beat by both the left and the right, one that might pull us into a really big mistake and possibly yeah. a war with China um, and, and possibly push what was probably a rather ambiguous sort of oversight of Taiwan by the PRC and one that may, you could argue, never go past that is just a lot of rhetoric and a lot of um, beating the drums that we're going to come back and reunify this country with ours, et cetera. Um, what I think in a macro sense, this Pelosi issue has created is one that makes us look bad on a world stage. It doesn't show that we have coalesced around a smart directive when it comes to approaching China moving forward. It shows the Pentagon's on one page, the White House is on the other different parts of Congress, whether it's the House or Senate or somewhere else. Some people are just going rogue and saying, I'm going to go to Taiwan. And that being the case here with being the House Speaker, um, it just shows that we're not unified. And if you if there's one thing the Chinese are really good at doing, it's knowing the art of war and the art of war. One of the big principles is to separate your enemy, get them separated, get them individualized so that they are not working together as a team and you conquer them one by one. And this is a perfect example where no matter what Pelosi ends up doing, it looks a bit like a small Chinese battle has been won. They have really separated us and it's showing very publicly. 
Well, and, and that's exactly what I mean. Again, I, I, I don't I know back. I, I've read back because um, I actually am someone who have said who has said that uh, Donald Trump should become speaker. I think that'd be fun. And it is true that starting especially with Tip O'Neill, speakers did have their own sort of foreign policy in the sense that they could engage. But in this case, since the party in power is all the Democrats, you feel like somebody missed the boat, that this was a, a, a congressional delegation trip or something that was supposed to show how big time people were. And and here we are uh, with egg on our face. All right. I, I've got to run, actually. Chris Fenton feeding the dragon inside the trillion dollar dilemma facing Hollywood, the NBA and American business. I'm not surprised. Came out two years ago. I'm not surprised it's selling better almost month to month in the past six months because I think people realize we made progress under Trump. At whatever it was, a way to describe it. And now we're in this um, a mess um, at again. Chris Fenton on Twitter is at the dragon feeder worth following. Thank you again, Chris. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Take care. Okay, we will do it. Uh, and don't forget, everybody, I'll put up on social media this interview. I'll also go back and grab his other interviews. I had him on at least two or three other times. I'll put them all up at ProAmericaReport.com. Uh, you can track them down there. There's a lot going on, and he's got a great voice for this. And more and more, you'll uh, see him. Uh, he's on CBS this morning, I think, with his for his book months ago. It's really good. Very helpful voice. So we will uh, take a break, and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. And now from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. The 2016 Republican presidential primaries yielded one presumptive nominee, Donald Trump. The primaries also gave us 16 candidates whose presidential campaigns were suspended but could remain in business for many more years. Former candidates Mike Huckabee, Marco Rubio, and Bobby Jindal have all put their efforts behind another project called the Convention of States. This is actually the same old Constitutional Convention idea dressed up with a new slogan. Its goal is to activate a never-used procedure where Congress calls a convention for proposing amendments to the U.S. Constitution. The Convention of States project claims to want to limit the authority and jurisdiction of the federal government. That's precisely the purpose of the wonderful Constitution we already have. Surely we cannot expect some brand new language would do a better job than what was already done by the most brilliant political thinkers in American history. The deception of the Convention of States lies in the name of the project. It's easy to see in the Constitution that the Convention would not be a convention of states in any sense of the word. Only Congress can decide when to call a convention. Only Congress can decide how delegates would be elected. Only Congress can decide how the voting power would be apportioned among the states and what rules would govern the convention. Some conservatives assume that a constitutional convention would propose only conservative ideas like a balanced budget. We cannot assume something like that as long as Congress has total control over the proceedings. The Constitution we already have is the best political document ever written. It would be foolish to try to make changes to it through a convention of states. 
This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Anyone pushing for a constitutional convention doesn't have a full appreciation for the brilliance and beauty of the original document ratified back in 1788. At phyllisschlafly.com, you'll find all kinds of reasons why a con-con could be a disaster for the American way of life. Check out phyllisschlafly.com and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, um, let's finish up with this. Uh, Alex Jones has a new movie. There's a new documentary about Alex Jones. I haven't seen it yet. I hope to see it. Um, I've, I've, only, I've met Alex Jones. I've been on his show in the past um, years ago now, probably two or three years ago. Um, and I've been on the show a couple times. The late Phyllis Schlafly used to go on his show regularly. Uh, not regularly, every now and then. I met him once. He's a very, very dynamic guy. I mean, he's a really incredible to meet in person. Uh, but here's what I want to tell you. Somewhere along the way, they went from hunting Alex Jones. They've really been hunting Alex Jones. He's been a target of the left and of the media for a long time. They went from hunting Alex Jones. They went to hunted Roger Stone, Alex Jones, Roger Stone. They hunted the January 6th defendants. They hunt, they hunt for uh, 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 Donald Trump. I mean, it's, they're targeting is maybe a better word, but it feels like hunting. And, and on and on, Peter Navarro, Steve Bannon. And, you know, at a certain point, more and more people, I think, are saying and feeling that they're, they're, they're just coming for anyone who disagrees with them. They will make anyone who disagrees with them, who disagrees with the conventional wisdom and the regime, as it's called, you know, the status quo, the establishment, whatever you want, the media, they will either use government against you, all those examples, or they'll just make you suffer by the power to influence your work, your family, everything else. People, it really feels like we're targeted. Alex Jones was the first one that was like that. And it used to be easier to say, well, Alex Jones, you know, he went too far on this. He made a mistake. He's admitted the mistake, but yeah, man, too far. It's getting worse and worse. They really are hunting people they disagree with and using power, government power, media power to take you down. That's what's happening. It's worth worrying about. We'll talk more about it uh, tomorrow. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Thank you, Noah Dingley, our great producer. Joanna Spilger, associate producer. Be back tomorrow. Ed Martin on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.